Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I'm the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist, where we're talking about building wealth through real estate investing while having a successful and fulfilling W2 job. You can have both of them, I promise. Uh, today's guest, I'm super excited for you guys to meet Marco Santorelli. He has one of the longest real estate investing podcasts out there. It's Passive Real Estate Investing, where you can find more about him and his podcast at PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com or at NoradaRealEstate.com. I'll put both links in the show notes. But we get into a lot of different things, and we actually get into where uh, Marco is analyzing it, kind of letting him know kind of what's going on with one of my properties and he kind of opens up and says, hey, let's dive into that. So it was more of a, this session was more for me <laughs> and, and my personal, which I think speaks a lot to Marco's uh, character. And I look forward to taking the next step with his firm and, and seeing what we can do together. So real quick, the three most important things that we talk about, uh, identifying markets with strong job growth, excuse me, strong job growth and strong population growth. The second thing is um, turnkey rental properties, uh, what those are and how they're defined, and also how there are there is a big difference between turnkey operators versus turnkey promoters. And until Marco explained this and got really dove into what that is, I didn't necessarily know there was a difference. So three main things for today, identify markets with strong job growth and strong population growth, uh, turnkey rentals and how they're defined, and then what's the difference between turnkey operators versus turnkey promoters. All right, let's get into it. You are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. How are you? I cannot complain, man. It's, it's Friday, I think. And the reason why I think <laughs> is because I'm, I'm kind of playing hooky from work. So it's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Last uh, time I checked, it was Friday. So that... Yeah. <laughs> well, let me clarify. So I'm in uh, transitioning jobs and uh, this is my last week, last full oh, week wow. at the existing one. So uh, it's been a slow, slow go. So um, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a really good opportunity for me. Um, uh, but anyway, we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> no, but I'm interested. I, I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it's a it's a um, you know they say growth happens outside of your comfort zone, and this will totally. be an opportunity for me and my family. Um, I've been working from home for about ten years now. Um, now, I, with that being said, I, I'll travel to a client site um, once or twice a week. <clears throat> but it's a day trip. It's not overnight. So, um, you know, and now this position is in the office where I'm going to be leading a team of direct salespeople and, and it's, it's, uh, it's gonna be a new challenge, but it's, I'm excited about it. Uh, so, you know, I know I'll, I'm already missing my kids, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
but it's it's something that my wife and agreed it was it was time to do and it's it's a good it's it's really it's a really good opportunity and that's all cool you 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 like what you do do. yeah yeah so i'm I'm in the technology industry um that's kind of how we started the whole w2 capitalist is i like what i do i like serving serving people like seeing businesses grow and being a yeah um now there is the ugly side of it too right but i i I do enjoy that piece of it and you know and that's how the w2 capitalist got started is that for the longest time i relied on my w2 solely to be able to try to create wealth and that's just not going to happen you know and and um being able to invest in real estate having done so for about five years has really open my eyes to a lot of things and hopefully we can dive into some of that because I know you're a lot more experienced than I am. Than- yeah, absolutely. I love the title. I love W2 Capitalist. That's so cool because it's almost like, uh, it's, it's almost, I don't want to say an oxymoron. It's almost it is. like, it is. Yeah. <laughs> is it? I don't know. If, maybe it is. I don't know. Kind of. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's an oxymoron. I, it is. You don't normally see the two go together. No, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying is I can't find the right word, but you, you know, you can be a capitalist and still be a W2 worker. But what's interesting is that W2 workers are always the ones working for capitalists. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're right. And it's one of those things where, you know, for years I put pressure on myself to try to hit certain financial goals for myself and my family. And just by W2 alone, extremely stressful, you know, trying to do, you know, and what I found when I finally discovered real estate investing, um, what I discovered was we started having some success. All of a sudden that financial burden that I was putting on myself and that stress got yeah. removed from the W2 job and actually, uh, enabled me to be, I, I think it enabled me to be a better employee, right. And be able to serve my customers better. So I think, uh, and if, kind of proof in the pudding this opportunity is coming up is is uh is part of that so yeah well now where are you what what do you, you have an amazing background behind you some kind of mountain. you know i i just i was just i just finished another interview with another podcaster and you know i have this in the background sometimes it washes me out so i have to have all these freaking spotlights around me to light <laughs> me up Otherwise, I, I look black i'm just a silhouette right yeah um <clears throat> <clears throat> so those are the hills and in, in, actually it's partly covered up because I moved my laptop. Otherwise you'd see more on that side over yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but I'm in Southern California, Orange County, Laguna Niguel specifically. Those, I forgot the name of these mountains, but they're, uh, they're the mountains in the background that you drive over and then in, end up going into uh, the desert and, and Las Vegas. Okay. Um, so yes, I have a great view. Um, but what I was going to ask you is I just finished doing this interview with someone else and I got thinking maybe I should just blue green screen, you know, the background um, <laughs> and throw something else up. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's going to be audio only. This is just mainly the oh, okay. portion is just for in case I say something and, and your uh, face tells me a different story. I want to call you out on it. Kind of thing. <laughs> That's fine. But, no, I was, and the reason why I like doing these videos is, is because I, I had an interview with, um, who was it? Uh, doesn't matter. I, I forget, but it was, it, you know, and I got so much out of their facial reaction that it just added to the conversation. So that's cool. And I'll always have the video in case I, I've got a YouTube channel, but I don't do a whole lot with it. 
quite frankly, it takes a lot to get. It takes a lot of my time to get video. I, I've got to outsource that before. And when I do, I've got a lot of content that I can throw up so there. Are so. you actually recording video or are you just doing audio? I, re I record both. Yep. So do you plan to use the video later or, or is it just not recording because you're recording? I, I'm recording it just because I'm recording it in case <clears throat> I want to use it later. I mean, I have yeah. no real intentions to, I, I started out that way and then I, I discovered, man, it takes me like an hour to edit a yeah. video and I was just like, uh, which I could outsource that if I wanted to, but I, uh, sure. I'm just trying to get the, the pod, you know, the podcast seems to have more it. Well, and quite frankly, when I was doing the YouTube videos, the feedback that I was getting is, man, I really wish you had a podcast because I can't, <laughs> you know, when I click off of YouTube on my phone or off, you know, off the um, laptop, it's, they're it's going gone. audio. So yeah, <clears throat> right. it was kind of a little bit of a demand thing, but that, that's why I did pot. That's why I did the audio podcast instead of YouTube. I was on the fence for a year trying to decide between YouTube and podcast and finally one one of my investment counselors just kind of give me a kick in the pants and suggested I just start with the podcast and I'm glad I did. And now I'm thinking about it. I should have started the damn thing two years earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like planting a tree, right? And so <laughs> yeah, exactly. But exactly. your your podcast has been out for uh since 2015. Yeah. Right? yeah. Almost four years. Uh which is incredible. I mean, that's awesome. That's uh it's a job. How, it's, it's not W2, but it's a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, you, and you'll find this out. I, um, it, I don't do a whole lot of editing when it comes to the podcast. I mean, it is, you know, I'm still going to make you make you sound sharp. Not that you're going to have trouble with that, I don't think. But it is, uh, it, it's one of those things where I was having these conversations anyway. And I thought, okay, here's just another way for people to tune in and kind of figure sure. out, you know, what's going on. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the basis of it, but yeah. So, t so tell me who your audience is, like describe your avatar. So I know how to, uh, better cater my, my answers to your questions. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going off of, uh, Facebook, <clears throat> our Facebook group insights, but it is the, uh, there's more males and females in there, but it's a 25 to 44 year old male. Uh, who has a regular job. Um, most of them have done some sort of investing, uh, they, w whether it be buy and hold, flip, um, or wholesale. Um, but most, and most of them have a regular job, you know, eight to five or nine to five, whatever. If you want to give Dolly Parton, you know, <laughs> props for singing. I've never understood that song, nine to five, because I've never had a nine to five job. It was always <laughs> eight to five. Correct. Um, yeah, maybe in Texas they do it differently. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, the avatar is the is males twenty five to forty four who have a family. Uh, most more than likely a young family starting to think about okay, how am I going to build build wealth for uh, for these little ones? You know, and love that, it. That's where I'm at. You know, I've got a four year old, two year old, one on the way. And what really had a phenomenal shift in the way I look at money, very transformational was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is, you know, book that I'm sure you've read and ever, everybody listening to this has read, but it, if they haven't, I mean, it was just one of those, and I, and I looked upon finding it 
uh, when my wife was six months pregnant with our first son or our first kid. And it was just like, a, you know, cause all those feelings and emotions are coming at you, you know, when you're, kid, yeah. when you're, um, when you're about to become a new dad. And I was just like, I've been doing this wrong for a long time, you know? So, um, right. <laughs> but yeah, so creating wealth, uh, or creating legacy wealth from real estate is one of the things I hope we can dive into a little bit. Yeah. Yep. How long do you want to go for? Um, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. <clears throat> yep. Whatever you want. Okay. I'll just, I'll just, uh, follow your lead. I mean, this is stuff we could talk about for hours. I know that's, that's why we have, I think, I think it was a fair question of why, you know, how long do you want to go? <laughs> One thing just to keep, uh, um, be respectful of your time. I'll do your bio and everything later on. So, uh, I'll do the intro, your assistant sent that over and, um, it should be like a short paragraph, like four lines or so. Yeah. And I'll do if that. It's not, if it's not, I'll email it to you. Is it Lauren? Lauren? Uh -huh. Yeah, Lauren. Yeah, Lauren sent that over. Um, and yeah, I'm good to go. I mean, I'm recording now, so we can, we can just we can just start here. So if you're good with that. Let's crush it. So one of the things, and I know you're a turnkey provider, right? You're a turnkey. You do a lot of investing for turnkey or you provide turnkey solutions for investors, right? We provide turnkey rental properties for investors, but it's just not, it's more than just the property. It's, it's really the entire solution. It's all, all the people they need on their team from property management to financing, et cetera. Awesome. So one of the things, before we get into the main topic of the show, one of the things that it, it's been not really been bothering me, but I, I don't have any turnkey experience. Right. And I know some guys who do, I'm actually mentoring a guy who had, had a real bad, um, I don't know who he used or whatnot, but he has had a real bad experience with a turnkey provider. So I started looking some things up and there's a lot of negative things out there about turnkey providers. So, and I know you've been doing this for a really, really long time and I wanted to make sure that we cover, okay, if you are a new investor, what are some of the red flags or what are some of the questions you need to ask to truly vet out a turnkey provider? Cause I've, I've heard horror stories of, um, you know, tenants being placed, paperwork being, uh, forgerized and yep. that's even a word. I know who you're talking about. Is it Morrison Vest? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was, um, I've heard a lot of negative stuff about him too, but it, if it wasn't yeah. him, it was somebody else. And I, 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 I know the players in the industry. I could, I can name, I'm not going to name them on the show. Um, but I could name them, yeah. uh, but I can talk about what was going on. The, the good news is, is that there are a lot of very good reputable, reputable people in the industry, but there's some bad apples in every industry. You're always going to have a sure. handful of bad apples. And you know what? You hear more about the bad than you hear about the good because there's literally thousands, if not tens of thousands of people every day, successfully investing, you know, out of state or what you might call long distance. And often that ends up being, you know, turnkey rental properties. <clears throat> and there's a difference between rent ready and turnkey. We could talk about that too. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, you got, you get, you get a, a, a public figure like Clayton Morris, who was on Fox news, uh, for years, um, you know, making a shift like this and then becoming involved in a class action fraud case. That's a big deal. Yeah. I, I something I heard about him was, um, 
it, you know, and this is all hearsay, whatnot is, is that the tenants weren't, he had somebody, I don't know if he had somebody, the property manager for those properties would drive around and pick up rent in cash. And then six months later, when, when, when an investor said, Hey, where's my money? They would report <clears throat> well, the tenants not been paying and we've been trying to get them out. Yeah. You I never collect in cash. Wow. I made that mistake actually a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I made that mistake. Um, so. But so let's get into what, cause I'm a guy, I, I don't invest in long distance. Um, it's a comfort thing for me, it, it, you know, and I don't know why, because we're about to sell, we're under contract to sell duplexes five minutes from here. Where um, do you live? Uh, Pensacola, Florida, more specifically Gulf Breeze, Florida. It, uh, why are you selling the duplex? Uh, getting a really good offer on it. <laughs> we bought okay. it. We bought it for ninety uh, three years ago. Uh, we're under contract to sell it for one seventy two. How much is the gross rent per month? Uh, gross is thirteen ninety five. That's very good. That's excellent compared to your cost basis. You know yeah. that that that's definitely a keeper. Now, what are you going to do if if you sell it? What are you doing with the equity? Don't know yet. Haven't figured that one out. <laughs> is is it under contract? It is. Mm -hmm. Dude, we got to talk about uh, after this or at some point because uh, you're gonna you know you're paying tax on that if you sell it, right? Yeah, I've I've lined up the 1031 exchange to figure that. So I've got yeah, that lined up just in case. Yeah, but I don't know where I'm gonna exchange that into. Uh, I can help you with that too. <laughs> yeah, we can talk. We can talk about. It. Um, uh, yeah, you should definitely be thinking about this because after you close escrow, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> you can't unwind the tax situation. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Uh, we um we 1031 exchange one last year, uh, and I was curious as because it was my first one, and it was I was curious on see how that would pan out, and it was great. You know, it was amazing. <clears throat> Yeah, we do quite a few 1031s. Like we're not the accommodator, but our clients are doing the 1031s. And so they need to identify properties yeah. and they need to close on time. And so, um, you know, we're very familiar with that transaction. So the point of me bringing up that property is it's five minutes from where we live now. I've never been in the property. Never. When we that's no that. different than long distance real estate investing. Well, that's what I want to get into. So why am I okay with doing that with a property five minutes from here? But it's not, in here. It is. It's, it's all mindset. It's totally right? in here. Are you managing yourself? No. <laughs> well, then there's absolutely no difference. <laughs> I mean, so the only, the only thing is I, I know the neighborhood, right? So we've lived in this area for about 10 years now. So we have a real good idea <clears throat> you know, those individual little pockets where neighborhoods are good, neighborhoods are bad. So I, I know, I feel like I know the neighborhoods and I know the market. That's the only thing that I can tie it back to is why, you know, what's, what else is holding me back? So maybe, maybe we spend the next 30 or 40 minutes. You convince me why, why I need to do it. I don't sure. know. Um, Talk about whatever you want. You know, you know what, you can make this show about you. And, well, and people I don't can relate. <laughs> no, but you could because people are people will will relate to it because they're in a lot of people are in the same boat as you are. Yeah. yeah. You know, they may not be doing a 1031, but they might be thinking, you know, I'm W2. How do I invest? Where do I invest? Um, how do I scale that? Who do I work with? How do I, you know, whatever? I mean, 
you're asking the questions you should be asking on your episode. <laughs> well, we're recording it. I'll just cut it up to make it look like, you know, this, and this is fine. I mean, a lot of my uh, shows are, you know, the best content comes when it's unscripted and we're just sitting yeah. here, we're having a cup of coffee or something. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's just, let's dive into that a little bit. Long distance investing. I, I've got a friend of mine who, uh, a couple of friends, one, he's like me. He feels like he needs to be able to drive by it if he can. Uh, I've got another friend of mine who lives in California, can't find anything that fits his investing criteria. Um, uh, and I'm trying to think of the city he lives in right now. Um, but anyway, so he flew out to some part of Indiana to look at some properties with, with a buddy, uh, came back and it was, it was a horror story. It was like, okay, we're not investing there. <laughs> so how do I, number one, how do I vet Mark? You know, cause I think the main reason of me buying a property five minutes from my house and never been in it, and we're about to sell it after three years of owning it and still never been in it. Hey everybody, I want to take a break from the action real quick and point you over to Passive Real Estate Investor Academy. It's one of our affiliate sponsors for the show. Um, Annie Dickerson, who leads up the academy there. I've met her, I met her at a conference last year. I uh, wanted to meet her because she is actually on uh, one of our posts, uh, 12 sites every financial freedom seeker should know about. Uh, the things that they're doing at Good Ag Investments, uh, I'm just amazed by. Uh, she had a very successful W2 career, but also uh, I think it was last year, uh, 2018, she was able to pull her parachute cord and become a corporate dropout and focus on real estate investing full time. So, and by that, I mean her and her partner are now syndicating deals through their uh, corporation, Good Egg, Good Egg Investments. And what I'm most impressed by these, these ladies, what they're doing is they closed, I think it was around 3,500 doors last year. Um, and now they're teaching, they've launched this course, Passive Real Estate Investor Academy. Uh, to teach people what it really means to become a passive real estate investor and working with syndicators, whether you work with them or not, it helps you understand what a passive real estate investor is all about. So check them out. We have a specific link for you. You can find it at helmsrei.com slash P-R-E-I-A. All right, let's get back to it. How can I get comfortable with knowing other neighborhoods? you know, long distance or not? What are, what are some of the things that you guys use to vet out properties and find, find what are going to be really good, you know, that meet, would meet my investing criteria? Okay. Well, that's a good question. So I'm going to broaden your question out. I assume, I assume we're recording for your show at this point. We are. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So you need to kind of step back and ask the same question, but not just about the neighborhood, but about the market. Because our sixth rule of our 10 rules of successful real estate investing is to take a top-down approach, which means you don't start with the property, you start with the market. And if you live in a particular market and you happen to be lucky enough that that market makes sense from an investment perspective, it checks all the boxes, then great, consider yourself lucky, start there. And as you grow your portfolio, then you can diversify geographically into other markets, which is a smart, smart thing to do, but you can start in your local market. But most of us, a lot of us in this country don't live in a market that is ideal for real estate investing. So what you do is you start with the market. You identify a market that has um, strong job growth. It doesn't have to be overly strong, but it has to have a good solid base of available jobs. Job growth is a huge bonus. 
in addition to that, you, you would ideally like to find a market that has population growth. It has positive net migration. Those two things are at the core of everything else because when you have those two things going on, it creates demand for housing, both in terms of retail purchases and rental property. And that's great for you and me and everyone else as a real estate investor. <clears throat> so that creates the demand that you need. So there are other things that go into that as well. You want to identify the markets that are stable, that are not overpriced, that have good supply and demand dynamics, uh, good submarkets. Then you work your way down to the neighborhoods. And this is where people typically have a good understanding is because that you live in a neighborhood. And so you probably are connected to a neighborhood. You, you, you identify with it and you feel for it. And you know where the good areas, the bad areas are. But you could do that in literally any other market because if you're working with a team of people and, and a good property management company, you can find out where the bad streets and the good streets are, where the good neighborhoods are and where the bad neighborhoods are. This is not uh, private information, it's public information. There are a lot of tools online you could use to help vet that out as well. But um, you know, just being focused and married to your own neighborhood and your own market is, is being myopic you really need to be market agnostic. And, and that, that is, is one of our rules as well, is to be market agnostic. So you start with the market, you work down to a neighborhood, and then you start looking at specific properties and properties that meet your investment criteria. And that is a good formula for success. Um, where people have a challenge with that, and this is something we were talking about later, is if they're not familiar with, with out-of-state or long-distance real estate investing, they have a mental hurdle. And it's nothing more than a psychological thing. And it's not about the market or anything else. Because if you're investing in stocks, I use stocks as an example. If, if Coca-Cola is the best deal going and you have to invest in Coca-Cola, do you need to live in Atlanta, Georgia? in order? To That's a great example. Absolutely not. So... Yeah. So, you know, be, be objective and rational, not emotional about it. Because when you get emotionally attached to your investing, you're going to start to make mistakes. And one of the mistakes investors make is they think and believe that they only should invest in their local market. Meanwhile, the best deals are 100 miles away, 1,000 miles away, whatever the case is. And, and, and I can say this with a ton of experience having been investing out of state uh, for over 15 years, 3,000 miles away from here in Southern California. And we have literally hundreds of, and into the thousands of clients that have invested in markets that are far from where they live. Yeah. So how do you, I'm assuming I'm not your first person to, to come to you and say, look, I, I, I want to invest, right? My local market is extremely hot. I can't find any deals to meet my investment criteria what would be the next step? How would I engage with you and your company and say, okay, let's, let's see if we can find something. And what are some of the things you're going to tell me to look, look, Jay, here's why you should be comfortable of owning that Coca-Cola stock and not living in Atlanta. I love that example. That's, that was awesome. So aside from the tons and tons <clears throat> of free content that we put out, the answer to your question is it all starts with one simple phone call an appointment we call a strategy session. And we, we'll budget an hour for that strategy session. Um, it sometimes doesn't take that long. Sometimes it goes beyond uh, 60 minutes. But the idea is really to get into your head and find out what it is you're trying to achieve. Where are you today? Where do you wanna go? That, that could be your investment goal. 
maybe your financial freedom goal, <clears throat> but you can take that and turn that into a roadmap. Essentially, it's an action plan. And when you start to break it down into steps, now you start to actually execute on that roadmap or that action plan to achieve your financial goals. And I know you're already doing that, um, regardless of whether you have, you know, a hundred properties or three, it doesn't matter. You're, you're working on that and, and you, you've already seen the fruits of your labor. You, you are seeing the benefits of it. In fact, you're, you're a little bit more than a newbie. You're a little bit more advanced in the sense that you're, you know, you're looking at doing a 1031 and the fact that you could do that and take that, that equity, what I call dead or dormant equity and leverage it into a larger portfolio that creates even more income, more passive income for you, because now you have more rental units generating more overall cash flow. You're getting further ahead. So um, that strategy session kind of maps that all out and gets someone either started or if they're already investing in real estate, it takes them to another level. It gets them to the point where now they're starting to accelerate what they're doing and also identifying the best markets to achieve that goal and maybe diversify what they're already doing. So it's a long answer to your short question, but the, the answer is it starts with just simple filling out a form on our website and having a strategy session to learn more about wh what you're doing, not only for us to learn, but for you to learn what you're doing. Yeah. And is that strategy session with you or somebody on your team? It used to be with me all the time in the early years. And yeah. then I, I slowly started scaling and hiring investment counselors, people who are, you know, uh, speak the same language, understand the same philosophies, have the same beliefs and values, um, you know, and, and follow the same, you know, other mentors like Robert Kiyosaki and people like that. Yeah. Uh, so we all, we all drink the same Kool-Aid. And so now, you know, we have a team of six investment counselors. We have transaction coordinators, assistants, and all that kind of stuff to, to uh, help serve our clients. Awesome. Then is there an initial cost to do that uh, strategy session or is that just basically a fact finding mission kind of like a date you know I'm calling you to figure out hey do I really want to do this and then y'all doing the same thing How, what does that look like uh, it, it's a big fat goose egg meaning zero okay. we don't charge for our services ever before during or after our, our services are completely value-add and free uh, you know, then the next question people ask is, well, how do you guys make money? Well, the answer is just like a, a real estate brokerage, we get compensated um, on after the sale of the property. And this is why we can be completely agnostic and unbiased is it doesn't matter where you're investing. Um, you know, we, we get compensated just the same. So if you, the best thing for you is to build a portfolio today and let's say I'm making this up, Jacksonville, sure. Florida, which is one of our markets, and then expand that, that portfolio into, say, Houston or Indianapolis or Chicago, wherever, you know, we're just going to follow your goals and, and your strategy and what we need to do for you. So being agnostic is great because we can be unbiased. But at the end of the day, uh, there's no cost to you as an investor. So how do you so you guys find the properties, you put them under contract, do you buy them and then find a long-term buy and hold person or how does that, how does a whole, this is coming from somebody who just knows the term turnkey, which right. basically means there's a guy who owns a property. He's got a tenant in it. There should be very little maintenance. It's, it's kind of the opposite of the burr strategy, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. sure. uh, so how do you find the property? Not necessarily how you find the properties, but do you own the properties and then you sell them? to an investor or how does that, or do you just have them under contract and you assign them uh, at closing? 
No, it's it's a valid question. It's a good question uh, because you're asking out of curiosity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 so no, if we were if we were buying and then reselling, we we are essentially flipping property. So we don't flip properties and we don't assign contracts. Um, it, it's again, I use we are a real estate brokerage. So to use the brokerage analogy, which is not what I usually do, um, you know, a brokerage doesn't technically own that property. They may have it contractually. Uh, listed for sale and that's really how we operate so the builders we work with and and the operators or the, the turnkey providers that are providing us that inventory are the two parties that we have a contractual relationship with that are giving us their inventory that meets our criteria and then we take that and make it available to you in each of the markets that we operate in okay okay that makes sense um, Something you and I were talking about earlier is the difference, or you brought up the, the difference between rent ready versus turnkey. Mm -hmm. So help me, help me understand exactly what that means. So if you found a, a private sale or a property listed on the MLS, the multiple listing service in any city, um, if that property was good enough to be leased or was leased already, and it's just as is, that is what I refer to as a rent ready property. Okay. A turnkey rental property, which is the inventory that we sell, um, would be a broader definition. And this is our definition of a turnkey real estate investment. Okay. That would be a, a, a real estate investment that is in a good market, as we described before, in a good neighborhood, uh, leased or to be leased with a quality tenant under professional full service property management, cash flow positive from day, day one, and has no deferred maintenance or capital expenditures. And that's a big one. And this is why there's a big difference between buying off the MLS and buying a turnkey rental property, again, as we described it, because you don't want to purchase a property that has deferred maintenance items on it. You don't want maintenance and repairs coming up anytime in the near future. And in terms of the mechanicals of the property, what are often referred to as capital expenditures, like the roof, the plumbing, the electrical, the hot water tank, and the heater, uh, or the HVAC system if there's um, uh, uh, an air conditioning unit in it, you would want those to be replaced and new, or at least like new, meaning that they have, they're less than five years old and they have a long life, a long serviceable life left over. That is our definition of a turnkey rental property because gotcha. I don't want you having to spend money in six months from now making repairs and upgrading things that should have been obviously, you know, taken care of or, you know, still have a five, 10 or 20 year life on it. Yeah. When you say cash flow positive uh, day one, there are a lot of definitions out there uh, for cash flow. So how do you guys define cash flow? What, what kind of expenses go into um, the expense column when you guys calculate cash flow. <laughs> okay, that's a darn good question. Yeah. Um, there's only, in my opinion, there's only one way to measure cash flow, and that is the way that is truly defined from an investment perspective, and and the way that Frank Gal I, I butcher his last name Galliani. I think that's how you. Um, <laughs> okay. say his last name. He's written the book, uh, actually several books. Uh, he's a he's a, um, a university professor and a and an avid real estate investor. I've had him on my show uh, as a guest many years ago because I love his book so much, and I believe his book is titled "Everything You Need to Know About Cash Flow." Uh, that's the short version of the title. It's actually a longer version, a longer <laughs> title. 
<clears throat> but everything you ever wanted to know about cash flow. Um, but it's a real estate book, and he talks about all the different elements of, of financial analysis and cash flow related to a property. And cash flow should be this your gross income uh, plus any other income from the property minus your vacancy factor or vacancy allowance, which is a soft deduction. You're not actually incurring that today, but you okay. budget for it, leaves you your net uh, or leaves you your, um, uh, your, your operating income. Okay. It may not be the gross income. Then you take that and you just subtract all your expenses, property, uh, property taxes, insurance, um, property management. But here's one that is sometimes fudged or overlooked or, or just not even included. And that is budgeting for maintenance and repairs. You have to budget for maintenance and repairs. Now that could be 4%, could be 5%, it could be 8%. But you need to take a certain percentage from your gross income and deduct it. Again, it's still going in your pocket today, but you're budgeting for future repairs and maintenance. Yep. When you take that all away, okay, you, you're left with what's called NOI, net operating income. Now that is a, a, an important metric because that is a real number that that property should be performing in terms of its operating income. If you bought it all cash, that would be the income you would put in your pocket uh, after budgeting for all those other things. Now, if you finance it, which is a great thing about real estate is the leverage. If you acquire yes. it with leverage, you deduct the debt service and what are you left with? You're, le you're left with net cash flow. Yes. And so that net cash flow that we show on our website with all the properties, when you click that little orange button that says analyze this, it pops up a window with a very detailed cash flow analysis. And you can see line by line, like a spreadsheet, we've deducted all the things we've talked about and maybe even more um, because sometimes you have an HOA. Yeah. Uh, what's left over is, is your net, net, net income from that property. Yeah. It amazes me how many people talk about and, and realtors too, realtors who claim to be working with investors or have an investor mindset. They're like this property cash flows day one. And I get into it. I was like, uh, no, it doesn't. You don't, I mean, you're missing vacancy, you're missing <laughs> maintenance and repairs and it's yeah, but they get, you know, a thousand bucks in rent. Your mortgage is only going to be $700 a month. That's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking apples and oranges. It, is, it just amazes me. So, no, you're right. Um, you're totally right. Yeah. So, when interviewing a potential turn, and I'll make a link to your to your website um, in the show notes. But want to make sure because we talked about this a little earlier. When interviewing a potential turnkey rental provider, such as yourself, what are some of the red flags that, or some of the questions that people should be asking? And what are some of the red flags that should come up so they don't get caught in this, this, you know, we talked a little bit about turnkey providers having a black eye and, and some of the things that are going on with certain individuals that focus on this type of asset or this type of service. Uh, what are some of the things that, that we can have the listeners check off and to help prevent being part of it? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to define two things for your audience. Okay. And when you understand the, the difference between these two things, then you'll know the questions to ask. And then, then you can better understand our business model and why we can provide so much value. You have essentially what are, you would call uh, turnkey operators and turnkey providers. Okay. Now, a turnkey rental property provider is someone that technically owns the property. They're going to find that distressed asset. They're going to fix it up. 
and then they're going to make it available for sale as a turnkey property. Many, if not most, but many of the turnkey operators out there, and they're keep in mind they're locally based and often very hyper locally based because they might only work in a in a suburb or a sub market of a major metropolitan area. <clears throat> they're married to their market. They're rooted in their neighborhood, and they're going to provide inventory based on what is available to them and what they have in their market. Uh, most of them are pretty good. Some of them are bad, bad apples. Some of them are very bad. Uh, but those are the ones you're going to have to have a long laundry list of questions if you're going to be working with them. Then you have turnkey operators, and there's very few of us in the industry. We're essentially a turnkey promoter, if you will. Okay. So you have turnkey operators that, that operate at the local level, and then you have a, a turnkey property promoter. And I don't really like that term because it's, it's minimizing so much of what we actually do. But we, we operate as a nationwide uh, turnkey operator because we are promoting um, and, and offering turnkey rental properties that we get from those operators on the local market. So we've already spent the time to vet those people and ask all the hard questions and work with them. And, and we understand their reputation and you know, we've become part of their reputation because we've been working with them for so long in most cases. So we've kind of done that due diligence and the hard work of, of vetting them and checking into their reputation. If you're approaching those guys at the local level on your own, then you need to be doing that. You need to vet them, ask, ask questions in terms of, you know, how long they've been operating, what neighborhoods are they in, and verify all this information, by the way. It's like Ronald Reagan used to say, trust, but verify. Yes. You, know, you need to ask the questions. I didn't know uh, who, sorry, I, I didn't know who said that originally, but I use that all the time at work. Trust, but verify. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, now right, that I yeah, know. It, was, it was Ronald Reagan. Um, in fact, actually, just as a side note, I, I uh, just this last weekend on Sunday, Easter Sunday, I went and uh, toured the Ronald Reagan Library and Museum uh, nice. here in Southern California. I've never been, and after all these years, I, I, I'm kicking myself. It's amazing. It is yeah. awesome. <laughs> so good. So, um, but you, yeah, you want to ask a lot of questions. You want to gather a lot of information. You want to verify as much of it as you can. Uh, and you can look up a, a company's reputation very easily online today. The internet is such a powerful tool and there's so much there. Now, granted, you can't trust absolutely everything, but you know, if you find one or two negative things about a person or a company, that might be okay. Um, especially if there's a lot of good stuff out there, but every single company has a few one star reviews and right, a few, yep. you know, disgruntled, you can't make hundred percent of people happy all the time. Yeah. You're always going to have a few of those, but if there's a lot of good stuff, that's a good sign. Um, so these are the things you need to do. Um, now, now, again, we've shortcut that a lot of that for for investors. That's why we do what we do. Is, is is that's part of the value that we provide. And you've been doing it for 15 years, so you've got over 15 now. Concept down, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that, I think that's highly important because it, you know, as you and I were talking before about turnkey providers and you said something earlier about how there's a, seems a lot more negative feedback out there about turnkey provider or excuse me turnkey operators uh or providers either one i appreciate that definition i don't think i've ever heard turnkey operator but that one makes more sense to me uh, how uh, how you separated those two but for turnkey people there is a lot more negative feedback out there. And, and so here's an example. So I run a Facebook group. It's real estate investing for the W2 employees tied to the W2 capitalists. 
sometimes I'll get on there and I'll do a 30 minutes, ask me anything. Uh, kind of like your show. Uh, you have an ask, uh, has ask Marco show, um, uh, segment on your podcast, right? And Hey everybody. So I want to take a break from the action real quick to introduce you to one of the new affiliates of the show, Everly Well. You can find out more about them at w2capless.com slash affiliates. And that is with an S on the end of affiliates, but Everly Well has 25 plus uh, or so home health test systems. And the way I was introduced to them was through uh, their food sensitivity test. So uh, this is not a food allergy test, but a food sensitivity test, which I understand it's the way that your gastro system processes certain foods and how it reacts to that. So for about the last five years, I've been battling acid reflux, GERD. I've got a second opinion from a general physician. I've got a third from a gastro specialist, which included an upper endoscopy, which if you've had one of those before, you know how, what kind of a fun process that is. But, um, and they all agreed, hey, you've got GERD, you've got acid reflux, let's subscribe you to this uh, medicine. But the medicine didn't always work, so I knew something else was up. Well, through the grace of technology and Google, I was uh, stumbled upon um, Everly Well and their home health food sensitivity test. Uh, it takes them about five weeks to process the test once you get, get it back to them. But what that showed me or revealed to me that I actually have a gluten food sensitivity. And since discovering this, I've done a really good job of transforming my diet and being in gluten uh, aware. Uh, I still feel weird asking for, hey, is this a gluten-free or do you have gluten-free uh, items on your menu when we go out to eat? But what I can tell you is that after about a month of, of watching my diet and staying away from this food sensitivity that I now discovered I have through Everly Well, I'm no longer taking or need to take my acid reflux medicine. And I'm also sleeping better at night, which my wife is going to joke that, is there any way possible I could sleep better at night? But yes. And being a W2 capitalist, you want to get that full seven to eight hours of sleep at night so you can feel refreshed and ready to go to not only tackle your investment activities, but also to be great at your W2. So check them out. Check out Everly Well and all of our affiliates at w2capitalist.com slash affiliates. Now let's get back to it. Somebody asked me, um, can you recommend a good turnkey provider? And I said, no, I, I don't have any experience in that. And their, their response to that was, that's what I thought, which I took as, a lot of the negative feedback, you know, I'm mentoring a guy now who's had a bad experience with a turnkey provider. And, um, so I think it's highly important that we, that anybody interested in doing a turnkey deal, vet them, make sure, you know, read the reviews, do your due diligence. Um, but that's, that's huge, uh, to know that you've been in the business for as long as you have, um, in doing this. So, um, yeah, let me clarify one thing. If yeah, I, yeah. At the risk that I misspoke before, I want to make sure I'm crystal clear on the definitions. So a turn, these are more technical terms, but a turnkey promoter would be a company like ourselves. Now in the past, we used to be a turnkey operator because we were acquiring, renovating and, and reselling some of our own inventory. But, but for definition purposes, we're a turnkey promoter. Um, but the guys, the boots on the ground that are rolling up their sleeves and swinging the hammers, those are the turnkey operators or turnkey providers as we define them, as we talk about them. So, I think you defined it very well earlier. That is on me because I realized what I just did and I, I called you the wrong one. 
then that's, that's all me. That's now that's your audience me. is crystal clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are a turnkey promoter. Correct. Yes. And I'm making notes as I'm, as we're going through. Yeah, no, no, go for it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we're a lot more than just a, a turnkey promoter because we're not just, per, you, you see, that's the tail end of the, the entire process. The, the very end of the food chain is actually the acquisition of the property. There yeah. are things that come before that, like, like, education and doing your market research and and learning and assembling a team of people that has to happen before you start writing contracts on um on properties that's the last piece of it yeah well if you want to i i would like to dive in because we talked a little bit before about my situation we're coming up uh potentially going to start our 1031 exchange clock here pretty soon so you want to dive into that and we'll just make that part of the, the show? We'll talk about anything you want. I could talk okay. for hours. Right. <laughs> I, I, me too, but I don't want to do that to you. I know you got a lot more and more, more important things to do on a Friday afternoon, but I want to <laughs> say, all right, so let's just, uh, to recap in case uh, I miss it in editing, I'm in a, about to, in, to enter into a 1031 exchange. I've got a duplex that is uh, five minutes from our primary house. Uh, we bought three years ago. It's almost three years to the day when we're we're going to close. It's kind of weird. Um, and we bought it for ninety. Uh, we've had tenants in it. Same actually, same tenants in it are, are in it today that we inherited when we bought the property. We're under contract to sell it for one seventy two, uh, which I'm going to ten thirty one exchange. But I don't know necessarily know what I'm going to uh, purchase with that ten thirty one exchange money. Uh, I've been looking, uh, we went and looked at a five plex, uh, last weekend, not going to happen. Uh, I've, I've looked at storage units. I've looked at, I actually had a, um, short conversation with a general contractor about, about maybe developing something, but my main focus is on cash flow, right? Is, is getting to the point where, um, you know, buying, we traditionally have bought properties that were value add, but that's not what turnkey is about. Right. Um, and the duplex that we have, we've put zero money in it whatsoever. We've had to replace, uh, both air conditioners, but that's it. So we're, we're coming out way ahead on this transaction. And a lot of it has to do with the hot market, which it is the time to sell, but it's also a struggle to buy, right. Unless you go to different markets. So that in a nutshell is kind of where I'm at. What would I, what would you advise me to do or kind of what would the next step be for, for me? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to start with a question and that is um, refresh my memory again. What, what market is that duplex in? That uh, Pensacola. Pensacola. Okay. So Florida as a whole has been, you know, on fire here the last few years. Uh, some areas more than others. Uh, Florida tends to do that. It has a lot of cyclical parts to it, like the south, south, like southeast and southwest. Um, so, you've had that for three years, right? Yes. If you've more than doubled the value of that in three years, that's incredible. You know that that is that for your audience to understand that that is not the norm. That that's right. abnormal. <laughs> yeah. It typically takes seven to twelve years to see a property double, depending on where you live. So fantastic. Good for you. So now yep. you've got this chunk of, of equity. Now your cost basis is great. Uh, you know, if you were into it for 90,000 and it's renting for 1300 a month, 
that's above what we call the 1% rule, which is a 1% rent to value or rent to price ratio. So you've, you've got a great opportunity there, um, a great deal. But now you have all this, this equity that we call dormant equity. It's there, and the rate of return on that equity is exactly zero. So the question is, how do you put that to work? You could do it one of two ways. You, well, maybe three. You can refinance, pull that equity out, and reinvest that equity into more real estate and build your portfolio that way. Number two, you can sell the property and take that, that equity and do a 1031 exchange, a tax deferred exchange, and build a larger portfolio with other properties that you identify. And you know, you've got time constraints there, like 45 days to identify. And then you have exactly 180 days from the close to close on your new transactions. And so that's doable most of the time, but you know, if you don't, if you don't know where to start, what market to invest in, what properties to, uh, to look at the team to help you do that, guess what? You can run out of time. Yeah. Um, the third way is to, um, uh, is to strip equity in the form of a, a HELOC, uh, which I don't always necessarily advise in this particular case, but you could refinance to pull it out uh, or you can do a 1031. So if you're looking at doing a 1031, you can take that equity and move it, not spend it, you're moving it tax-free into other real estate. And so you can certainly leverage up your portfolio doing a 1031. So um, that's not a bad strategy. That's probably a great strategy for you. Um, yeah, because so the weird thing is, so I, I wanted to pull, I, I like the HELOC route, um, especially when you know, the a home equity line of credit, not just a home equity line loan, right? So where you, you have that money sitting there and you're not being charged interest on it unless you're using it. That type of HELOC is what I'm referring to. One of the things that amazes me about the market and how this whole system works is I went through this process. I had it appraised. It came back and it appraised at 135. Thinks what it was. So I didn't want to go through that process I, and, and I kept seeing the, and I, I knew it was wrong. I, I actually appealed the appraisal uh, because the two of the comps were in a different zip code in a different school system. So, which was like the county we're in a different County, right? So the County we're in ranked 10th in the Florida state school system. The comps were uh, in a County that's ranked 40th, 50th, somewhere around there out of 67 or 62, ever how many that is. So I appealed it. They said, no, we have to go with this. And I knew it was wrong. Right. So then we, then I told my realtor, I said, well, look, I said, I keep seeing these things pop up that are in my opinion, way overpriced. I said, either I don't know what I'm doing or the market is just that strong. I said, so let's put it out there, you know, and we got above asking for, for what we had it out there for. And, um, you know, now we're under contract for 172, I believe is what it is. And, you know, I don't know, I'm like, okay, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm taking advantage of the hot market. And it amazes me that we've already been through the appraisal. The buyers already went through the appraisal process. It appraised, which is just so weird. Right. So I try to get a HELOC on it. It's short forty grand or whatever it is, and then we get it under sale contract, and it appraises for that value. So it's just a little <laughs> game you have to play, I guess. So, but um, anyway, I cut you off. You were, you were talking about three different options to to use. 
uh, and kind of the next step would be identifying a market, right? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the funnel approach we talked about before. Identify the market, the neighborhood, and the properties that, that meet your investment criteria, and then lock them up, put them under contract and close escrow, you know, and just rinse and repeat. You keep doing yeah. that. Um, you know, with, with, if you're pulling eighty dollars to $100,000 out of that property in equity, investable equity, um, you can turn that into easily three uh, and, and maybe four or five properties, depending on what you're looking for. Uh, you know, those are additional rental properties uh, or other, I should say other, not additional, but other rental properties. So right. three to five rentals that are all, um, you know, giving you uh, equity growth, uh, the tax benefits, cash flow, um, you know, you, you, you got the leverage in place, the amortization over time. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a great way to grow your, 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 your portfolio. And if you keep doing that every three to five to seven years, um, not that you have to, but if you could, guess what? You're, you're investing on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the plan, right? Is to, um, I haven't necessarily heard investing on steroids before. You're teaching me a lot of good one-liners today, <laughs> All right, good. Uh, but it's, it, you're right. It is. And you know, we, uh, we did a 1031 exchange last year. We went from a, um, uh, a single family home, a one bedroom, one bath, uh, that we had paid cash in it. So we didn't have a mortgage on it. We sold it and we bought a fourplex, which went from, so we went from $600 in revenue to 2,200. So it's definitely, um, the, the math works out much more in our favor. And I'm like, okay, I want more of that. So that was more along the lines of, you know, we've had the duplex for a while. Let's see if we can get this number for it. We did. Now we've got to go out and find, I would like to jump into a, uh, a five or a 10 unit, um, along those lines if I can, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, back to the emotional part of investing in long distance. How do I get over that? How? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, you, I mean, I said it before. I, I'm going to make a side comment here. I, okay. I was, um, I was in Florida the day before I actually uh, went to uh, visit Grant Cardone. If you know who that is, yeah, yeah. So him and I did a video shoot. Um, we we did a, an hour of recording, and it went it went great. I mean, it was just an entertaining experience. He's he's a character. He is um, he is a character. I have to take Grant with a grain of salt. I have to take breaks from Grant. Every now and then. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. He, I, I can't imagine being in front of him in person and trying to do an interview and trying to keep up with him. I don't know if there's enough Red Bull on the planet for me to drink for that. No. Anyway. No, the, you know, the, the guy's a hot something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I just decided, kind of last minute, spur of the moment, to get to record from my hotel room uh, a podcast, one of my podcast episodes on how to overcome, I think we titled it how to overcome the fear of investing long distance or out of state, something like that. So one of my investment counselors and I went back and forth and we just discussed, you know, why people have a reluctance and what is it, you know, that they're fearful of. And, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's the fear is nothing but fear. The acronym false evidence appearing real. Yeah. It's that people are just, here's part of the problem. A lot of the so-called gurus and I say gurus in quotes, um, you know, they, they talk about investing within a one or two hour radius of where you live. 
But if you stop and ask, why are they saying that? You know, nobody ever asked the question why, but if you ask why are they saying that, more often than not, it has to do with the fact that a lot of these so-called investors are, are really people who are doing buy, fix, and flips, or buy, fix, and holds. And sometimes it's that Burr method that you're talking about. But in either case, they're, they're more hands-on. They're what I call active real estate investors, not passive real estate investors, which is what, all, what we're all about. Right. Hence the reason we call our podcast Passive Real Estate Investing is because it's about passively investing in real estate. And so if you're actively involved, then you kind of need to be within a one or two hour radius, unless you have a stellar rock star team in a, you know, in a market that you're operating in, even though you happen to live thousands of miles away. So, so number one, you don't need to be local unless you are actively involved. Number two, it's a psychological barrier that some, not all, but some people have that is not hard to get over. Once you've done one or two deals that are, um, it doesn't matter how far away, 100 miles away, 1,000 miles away, once you've done a couple of those and you realize, oh, okay, well, it was, much, it was very much like a traditional real estate transaction and I'm not the one managing it. I have professional managing, management managing it. So I'm getting you know, my income every month. Um, there's really not, not much you need to do. So it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where you live. It's like my Coca-Cola analogy. I if love you, that. If you look at it objectively, not rationally, but objectively in those terms, and you start to ask yourself, actually ask yourself, why do I have an issue with investing out of state? And then, you know, when you come up with an answer, ask yourself, well, why do I feel that's an issue? And is it real or is it perceived? Yeah. Once you do that, you've, you, you'll eliminate all the reasons. And you actually said it to me yourself. You, you bought a property and you never stepped foot in it. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, I think it's just... I don't know. I'm struggling with words because I feel like, okay, well, when you figure it out, you let me know. <laughs> I don't have a good excuse. I, I don't. And maybe, maybe this duplex that we just talked about that I've never stepped foot in, we've owned it for three years. Maybe that was my trial run for investing long distance because you pointed out earlier, Hey, it's the same thing. It's just five minutes from you now versus. So I, I think, you know, and I've been on record several times uh, this year, saying that I've never invested in a long distance, but I feel like I'm gonna have the opportunity to do that later this year. So anticipating the sale of this duplex, which finally, you know, is, is uh, looks like it's going to go through. Um, you know, there's some things there that we can, we can play around with. And I, I've, you know, that again, with the talk about, we, we were talking earlier about how um, growth happens when you get uncomfortable, really, you know, so I think this is going to be an uncomfortable step for me but I think it's, it's the right one at this point in time. You know what I'm saying? I, I will, I will make you a bet, friendly bet. I will guarantee that after you've done your first one or two transactions, you will look back and say, damn, that wasn't that hard at all. And you know what? This is actually so easy. Why don't I do it on my own before? Isn't that, isn't that the, the case with everything like that though? You build it up inside of your head so much that it's just, uh, and it's one of those things where I try to, I run a mastermind group too, uh, the W2 Capitalist Mastermind that we focus on progress over perfection. And a lot of the things that I've learned is that just do it. You're going to fail. It's going to be horrible. It's probably going to be miserable, but just do it. And then, you know, then you're over that fear, right? Um, just like launching a podcast. You know, if you think back when you, when you launched yours in, in 2015, did you try to perfect your uh, interview style and everything or did you just go for it? 
both both, both. both yeah. because i am i am unfortunately perfectionist and i'm right. conscious <laughs> of that. yeah so, so i so I, I was having the same problem that you're having mentally in investing out of state once i started recording the episodes and i realized okay they came out well maybe great but they weren't perfect but it was still okay because people were still saying hey that was really good content yeah. Then I, I realized, okay, I did it. It wasn't perfect, but I, I made progress and I was successful. So let's just keep moving forward. Let's keep rolling yeah. Do the next episode, the next episode, the next episode, or the next property, the next property, the next property. So that's what I do with, with my podcast. I just launched it. Hey, I'll figure it out, you know, as I go along. And then I need to do that. I need to, the stakes are a little bit bigger. It doesn't take a whole lot to launch a podcast, but you know, I just need to, I need to take that step with long distance, uh, with a long distance property. Well, you, so, you read the book, rich dad, poor dad, you were telling yep. me, right? Yep. Uh, I don't remember what chapter it was, but I, I, if I recall, there's a chapter in there about team, you know, having the team. Is that Absolutely. true? I think so. Yep. Okay. So if you want to be successful investing, whether it's in your local market or in, in, in another market out of state, long distance, you can go it yourself or you can assemble the right team around you that will you know, help to assure you are successful. That's the right approach. And, and really that's all we offer to investors is, is, is having the team that you need to accomplish everything you want to accomplish successfully. So you read it yourself and it really comes down to this. If you have the right team of people that you're working with, you're almost, almost guaranteed to be successful. Yeah. I uh, completely agree. And, and, you know, when you go at it alone, which I have before, uh, and I, I apologize if you hear the radio in the background. <laughs> so we're getting our, uh, if you don't hear it, it's, it's fine. Um, we're getting our house painted and our painters are apparently jamming out right now. So, um, I don't hear it. <laughs> uh, but you're right. It, having the team, having a, a, um, what's the word used? Um, a professional team. You said something earlier about ha making sure you use professional management or professional property management. Oh, professional, professional full service management. Yeah, that is hugely important. And I've made the mistake of trying to do it myself, uh, trying to manage properties myself. Then I went to the cheapest bidder in town, which was a horrible, horrible show that I dealt with for like a year. And now the one I have now, uh, the property managers I have now are, are great. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to do, uh, I wouldn't be able to handle it all, right? Yeah, so, and, and and you learn you learn through your mistakes. Now maybe you didn't fall flat on your face and you know have yeah. a bunch of food, <laughs> but but call that you know call if you call that a mistake, you've learned from your own mistakes. So why not bypass that and start with being in the know, working with the right team of people to help you shortcut all of that and save time. And yep. that's what you know W2 Capitalist is all about. You know, people who have W2 employment, guess what? They typically lack time. They don't have, they have their career they, okay. and they have their family. They want to spend time with their family and friends on the weekend. So it leaves them little time to go through the learning curve of educating themselves and, 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 and doing research to identify the right markets and assemble the team and, and learn those markets and learn those neighborhoods and vet the people that they, they need to work with. Well, why not eliminate all that? And just start, you know, 90% down the field instead of, you know, on, on the zero yard line on the other yeah. end. A lot easier to score a touchdown when you're on, on the uh, well, 10 you yard line versus. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So um, before I ask what's the best way to connect to, with you, I, one thing, one question I've been asking more recent guests, and I'm curious to hear your answer because I think it'll be a little different than what I've heard before is where is the market going? You know, it's pretty hot right now. It's been on an upswing for, I don't know, when you want to say eight years, seven, nine years, something like that. Where do you think we're headed? I, I have an answer. It's probably not what you're going to expect, but I'm just curious before I tell you what, what most people are telling you. If you don't uh, mind me asking. No, most people are saying that they feel there's a stall coming uh, or a little bit of a downturn. Okay. Okay. Here's my answer. My answer is, is it depends. And, and here's what I mean. You see, when you ask me the question, where do I feel real estate is going? You're, you're essentially asking me what direction is the real estate market going? Right. And, and that implies that there's one national real estate market, that there's one national housing market and there's no such thing. You point to it. You can't, you can't show me where the, the national housing market is located, but what you can do is you can point to where the Pensacola real estate market is located. You can tell me where Detroit is located. You can tell me where San Diego is or Houston, Texas. So you need to understand that all real estate is local and all real estate, all real estate markets, local real estate markets, they move independently of one another because they have different dynamics. They have different industries. They have different supply and demand dynamics, different uh, affordability dynamics. When you look at, at each market being individual, then you can ask more intelligent questions like where is the Pensacola market headed or where's the Houston market headed or the Memphis, Tennessee market headed. And now you can actually pull data to see what is going on. You can see if prices are accelerating or deaccelerating. If you can see if supply is increasing or decreasing, if days on market are increasing or decreasing, uh, is buyer demand increasing or decreasing? What is happening to rental, uh, rental trends in terms of you know, the cost the median price to rent a three bedroom, two bath home. I mean, we can talk, have an intelligent talk about actual numbers. Uh, that's really hard to do on a national basis. So, yeah. so the answer to your question is, is it depends on the market because there are markets that are, are already stalling right now. In fact, about three quarters of the U S market, uh, the three quarters of the U S markets are, are de decelerating at the moment. So, meaning that their, uh, their rate of appreciation has topped off or is, or is actually scaling back. They still might be appreciating positively, but they're pulling back. And so, so we look at these types of things. We actually track 404 markets around the U.S., and that's part of wow. how we identify the markets to be in. So um, it's not a simple answer to your question, yeah. but real estate markets do cycle. You do have, you know, typically seven to 10 year real estate cycles from peak to trough. It just really depends on what other, you know, other things are, are happening in the, in, in the, the global economy, the national economy with yeah. interest rates, with recessions and all that kind of stuff. So, but, but here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway to that question. And this is an important thing. If you take nothing else away from it, there are always opportunities in this country to invest in real estate and make money and be successful because it comes down to where, do I invest within the country, not what is the country doing from a real estate perspective? Yeah. And I anticipated you were going to say that. Oh, <laughs> I anticipated right. you were going to say it depends because, because you, you are in all these different markets, right? And it, it does depend. Uh, yeah, that totally depends. What Pensacola is doing is not necessarily what's going on in Southern California or in Texas. Uh -huh. So it's, no, it's not. not. 
I, I anticipated it. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because it is different than what I've um, been hearing. So, uh, Marco, I've enjoyed our time together. Uh, it's, it's been great. I, I personally want to follow up and kind of see what the process looks like. So uh, let me know how to do that and let people know what's the best way to get in touch with you and your firm. Sure. Well, for you, you yourself, just, we've already exchanged emails. So just email me and I'll, I'll, I'll connect you. I'll okay. hook you up with my entire team. They'll, 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 they'll jump all over you and connect with you and say, Hey, what can we do to help? And okay. let's, let's get something on the books. Um, but for your audience, um, we have two websites, Norada real estate, N O R A D A Norada real estate.com is where we post most of our properties in our network. Not all of them because some of them, don't even make it to the website before they go under contract. <laughs> and this is why a personal relationship with each and in, each inv investor is important because if we know exactly what your criteria is, when we see it coming into the pipeline, guess what? We'll, we'll, we'll flag it and pull it out and, and show it to you. And, and it may not even hit our website. So there's value gotcha. in that. Um, and then the other website is named after our podcast and that's passive real estate investing.com passiverealestateinvesting.com and we have all of our free info and contact information on those websites. And of course I will link to those in the show notes as well. And I apologize. I keep looking, I forgot my daughter was asleep upstairs and then <laughs> so the, the painters are jamming out outside. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go tell ask her to, she's just kind of moving around. I brought the little camera to, to make sure she's, she's okay, but she's moving around. I have to get, Oh no, you're good. Turn the radio down, but Marco, I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And I will uh, let you and Lauren know when the show comes out. All right, Jay. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Same here. Have a great, have a great afternoon and even a better weekend. You too. Thank you. All right. See you, Marco. Take care.